0: Be good.
1: (laughs) Hello there. Thanks for tuning in. You've reached the Monkey Tooth Podcast. This is your host. Andrew, with my wife Tiffany and our little dog, Pele. We're doing this dadgum thing every week as we travel from California to Alaska down to Argentina. We're currently in Moab, Utah, in a busy parking lot on a rainy day. We're doing our laundry. Real fun and interesting stuff going on there. Fortunately, you don't have to count on us for fun and interesting stuff. We've got our guests. Our uh, guest today... No exception to this, his name is John Ekstrom. He goes by John X E K S on his podcast, which is called John of All Trades J O N of All Trades. And he's uh, he's legit, he knows what he's doing. He's got a background in this, he was a DJ in college. And on his show, he talks to people with cool jobs, interesting jobs, and he's real good at it. He asks pertinent questions, he does his research. And he's just a smart, interesting character. We sat down with him in his home and asked him a progressively strange series of questions. And uh, he gave us very thoughtful and smart answers. Uh, But he's a busy guy. He's got his own business, uh, communications business. He runs a nonprofit organization, which is kind of cool. All the links to those sorts of things are up on our website, mtp.dog. And you can just click on listen to the, the podcast and you will uh, you can find him, John Ekstrom. Anyhow, uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. We had a really good time hanging out with John. He's a dad and a cat owner. He has two cats, which um, all those things are terrifying to me, being a father and being a cat owner. But he does a good job of it. And uh, I didn't meet the child, but the cat seemed happy. So anyhow, um, I want to say we have some stuff For sale on our website. Right now, we have stickers. Coming up soon, we're thinking either t shirts or uh, shopping bags because, you know, everybody's got shirts. I don't know if everybody has shopping bags, but if you don't, you should. And if you do, maybe you need more. Uh, But we're thinking about printing up some monkey tooth shopping bags, reusable, uh, non disposable stuff that you can use again and again. Anyhow, if you're interested in that sort of stuff, go to the website mtp.dog. And you can see it. It's right there. There's a whole page of, I think it might say, t-shirts and stuff. Anyhow, um, yeah, those, uh, those are up. They're for sale. They're for you. They're for sharing. And uh, I want to say thank you to our patrons on patreon.com. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and you don't want a sticker or a shirt and you'd rather just uh, throw money at us, that's a good place. But we also put things up there on Patreon that uh, don't make it everywhere else. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you are interested in helping us non-financially, but you want us to succeed and do well, go on over to iTunes and leave a review. It's not hard. All you got to do is click something, maybe write a few things, and uh, suddenly you've left a review. It's that easy. You've almost already done it. And I'm sure there's other stuff I should be telling you that I can't think of it at the moment, so I'm going to get right into it. And leave you with our conversation with Mr. John Ekstrom. Have fun. Do interesting things. Bye-bye.
0: John X. Uh, John Ekstrom, actually. Ekstrom. It's funny. The X is a holdover. I've done on my show now like 190 plus episodes. And I started it when I was working in corporate. And I didn't think they'd be too thrilled about my side project. (laughs) So I shortened the name. Yeah. And it's, so it's John X on the show. Uh, if you listen to the intro of my show, it's like, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of all trades podcast. I'm your host, John X. And I just, and it flows when I say it like that. When you said it, it sounded so So weird to me (laughs) because no one calls me that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, except for like, I'll get emails and they're like, is your last name X or is it Eeks or, and I go, it's Ekstrom. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And you sent it to the old like Yahoo account that I have, which is funny because I don't use that for anything else and I don't get much to it, but occasionally I'll get stuff through the show. Yeah. So yeah. So John Ekstrom, actually. Ekstrom. Well, I mean, my last name is couch. There's okay. no
1: real cool way to shorten or lengthen that. It's been abused in every which way I've gotten cooch crotch crouch <laughs> uh nothing favorable and uh, it's it's amazing because it's generally mispronounced most egregiously by someone who clearly spends a shitload of time sitting on something that they cannot spell or pronounce
0: <laughs> i think uh, it's actually short for davenport right yeah, it is that is <laughs> that maybe that is the I, that's or, my ex or short for chesterfield <laughs> i i gotta think i love alternative names for couch so you do oh yeah how many you got uh let's see, there's Davenport, there's Chesterfield, there's you know, there's the obvious ones, there's Sofa. Sofa, yeah. Um Usually those two, if you say Davenport, yeah. Usually no one under the age of fifty knows what you're talking about, <laughs> right. which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's a there's a town
1: and a name. There are people named Davenport. I uh, how weird would that be if we are related. I always think of it in terms of like argument. I'm gonna couch that point right there. Oh yeah, sure. That's, that's good. I like that. Well it it helps when uh your very first day of kindergarten, mm-hmm. the just kind of meanest kid in class, like, sits in your lap and says, Look at me, I'm sitting on the couch. Oh, jeez! And you end up in the principal's office for rabbit punching his kidneys. You know.
0: <laughs> I got a friend who I f- uh, co founded Mile High 100 with. His name is Braden Dick. So his last name is Dick. Braden and- Richard? And- <laughs> I mean, please, this is a children's friend. <laughs> you already said shit. <laughs> Damn it. So, uh, he, uh, he said the, the one benefit to having that last name is you're going to hear everything you're ever going to hear your entire life by the time you're eight years old. Yeah, it's already happened. Yeah, so, <laughs> and he said if anyone comes up with something new, they're yeah. a comedy genius. Yeah, you buy them a beer. And or, and or you might become best friends. Yeah. <laughs> so. I like that. I like that.
1: Well, uh, so yeah, we could probably rant on lots of last names. Hers oh, is sure. Jacobs, I don't know. That was originally... Not too fun. We'll leave that one alone.
0: Jacob's well, ladder, Jacob's son. Anyhow, my—I yeah, mean—in middle school, I for a very brief time went by Xlax. So that's yeah, fun. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I mean, we all got him. Yeah. That's the new section in your show. How to fuck up a name? <laughs>
1: like what are the atrocities done unto your name? Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, your show is the reason I can connect it with you, man. It's—I um, like the premise. I mean, it's not too terribly far from what we're doing, right? Uh, except you talk to people who actually have jobs. We tend to (laughs) talk to people who are in various stages of their working life, either retired or in between. We've got some people who are really happy with what they're doing. But you meet people who are at kind of the zenith or at a really good point in their work career. Um, And I like the name, John of All Trades.
0: You can thank my wife for that one.
1: Yeah, she came up with that? Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, the original name was X with X. X with X. There are two cats in here. One of them is presenting from the rear at the moment.
0: (laughs) He's, uh, we're nothing if not professional around here. Yeah. I like it. And, uh, so
1: she came up with the name.
0: Yeah. It was originally called X with X. So EKS with X. So it was like an interview show, Mm -hmm. you know, and the X is undefined. Gotcha. And so I'm I'm listening. Jesus Christ. Finnegan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Come here, pal. Sweetie. (laughs) Come here. (laughs) I know. hilarious.
1: You know, I do a lot of editing, but I think I'm going to leave that in. I
0: think you should. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it'll be like a version of my show.
1: It's the first cat being kicked off a show.
0: Right? <laughs> yeah. He's showing the door. So, um, and even at that, I'm like, OK, I got the name, but it kind of sucks. And we're just hanging out one time. He's back. And she goes, Why don't you just call it John of All Trades? And I go, Oh, fuck, that's a better name. So Thank perfect. you. Yeah. Yeah. Leaves out the math.
1: You don't want people doing math. No. Trying to listen to your show. That's, I mean, the name's cool. The premise is cool. And I mean, it's probably more, slightly more relevant impression if you are in Denver, mm. but you don't have to be, you can be anywhere and get something out of your show.
0: Do you interview people from, not from Denver or the people that
1: pass through or, or what do you?
0: Yeah, so I have, and sometimes people will be coming through. Sometimes I'll bring my equipment with me. I did some shows in New York early mm-hmm. on. I did a couple in San Diego, um, just like wherever I go, sometimes people will be there and I, you know, I'll, I'll get connected. I go, Hey, who's interesting. Who do you want me to know? And then sometimes I'll pitch like national folks. Yeah. So like Denver film festival is coming up in November and I'm one of the official podcasts of that. This is like my oh, fourth great. year of that. Cool. And that's where I get some of my more notable guests like Kyle Gass from tenacious D. Yeah. saw that, that one was so fun oh, and, and he's just as cool as you hope he's going to be, yeah. which is awesome. And then like Jim O'Hare from parks and recreation. Um, And then sometimes I'll just cold pitch people like you do. Yeah. Uh, So like Drew McGarry was coming through town. He's a writer for GQ and for deadspin.com and I love his work. And I said, would you be down to do a podcast? And so I did that one via phone and I've done a few via phone and they just sound like crap. I don't like it. It's not as as intimate Hmm. and audio is a very intimate sort of genre. Hmm. And so I think the technology is getting to a place where it'll be better but, you know, you're still talking to someone on a cell phone and you can't see them like face to face. And yeah. I mean, you know, from interviewing, this is really important. Having the give and take yeah. in person.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a communications guy, isn't that your, yeah. your background? What was your degree? I forget. So or your master's, right?
0: In- yeah. I got bachelor's and master's in speech communication from CSU. Right. Uh, up in Fort Collins. I'm actually Colorado native, which Uh, is sort of an unusual thing around here these days. Uh, we got transplants coming in constantly. And when you tell someone you're a native, people's instinct is to immediately go, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm from somewhere else. I go, I don't care. care. (laughs) That's glad you're here. (laughs) You're from where you're from. Yeah. Um, you're making traffic worse. Right. Which I mean, but I remember when Denver was considered like uncool, mm. it was just another stop and flyover country. It may as well have been a more Western outpost of Kansas City or Indianapolis or Cincinnati <laughs> or something, you know, just like another one of these sort of mid-level cities. And then yeah. in my estimation, it was about a decade ago when the DNC came here and Obama was here, filled up Mile High Stadium and people are like, wow, this place is pretty great. I go, I know I've lived here my entire life. It is great. It is great. And now everyone's found that out, and I go, oh, I wish less people found out about that. But, you know, your, your city could be going in the other direction. Yeah. You know, I'd come out here as a child. I, we
1: didn't go to Denver when I was really young. We went around, you know, just not that Denver isn't pretty, but we went to some other prettier
2: oh, sure. places.
1: But when I got turned on to Denver, I was going into high school from eighth grade, and mm. the Pope was here, Pope oh, yeah. John Paul II. And for me, I, I was living in Mississippi. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, Denver was cool to a guy from Mississippi. <laughs> what was that quote? Uh, there's two cities, like New York and New Orleans, or three cities New York, New Orleans, and San Francisco. Everything else is Cleveland. <laughs> uh, even Cleveland would probably have been cool That's to funny. me coming from Mississippi. So we came here, and for me, it was like an opportunity that you could just go up and talk to any girl. Like, well, hey, you're here to see the Pope? I'm here to see the Pope. How long have you been a Pope fan? You know, just stupid. It was just the greatest thing. So I've always associated Denver with just a great time.
0: And, you know, the Pope helping you score chicks.
1: I mean, you know, it's it beats the alternative of what the Popes have been uh, certainly. offering sexually.
0: So what year was that? 93? Okay. Yeah. Like 92, 92. I, yeah. I want to say I was like, I was like 12 or 13 when that happened too. And yeah. I, it was like world youth day or something. Exactly. World it, youth day. And yeah. you could, you could buy shirts like in the grocery store that said world youth day on yeah. and you'd see people walking around. It's like, I had no idea you were Catholic. <laughs> and I think there were people who just bought them Yeah. Like who, who weren't won. even Catholic who just go, this is a cool thing that happened in our city. Yeah. Like everyone's here now. A million people in that park.
1: Whatever, yeah. I don't remember what park that was but there was like a million people there for a mass it was bananas yeah
0: that's insane I, I had some Catholic friends they had to go camp for it yeah
1: yeah I slept in that thing and we you know coming from Mississippi you don't really understand camping you know so we had like these emergency blankets uh-huh. they do not substitute for a sleeping bag uh, no learned that lesson good and early mm. most people in Cali- like Colorado natives would be like yeah no shit Sherlock that's, a, that's when things go bad you don't prepare with emergency blankets anyhow sorry uh so part of why I wanted to talk to you, uh, I like yourself have had many occupations, mm-hmm. uh, and well, I want to start. What do you do now other than podcasting?
0: So my company is called deft communications. It's been in existence for three and a half years. It's, I mean, in, at its most base, it's public relations. Um, but I call it training content and engagement. And so okay. there's three sort of legs of the stool. The first one is training. I get people ready for public speaking. I taught public speaking for two years um, or to engage with the media. People get really nervous before they have to be interviewed, especially on camera. Mm -hmm. So we'll do some on camera exercises. And I've I've had all the way up to CBS evening news with Scott Pelley. So national. And then the second piece is content. I generate a ton of content before you came here. I ghost wrote two op-eds and I have two more to write uh, this this afternoon. So that's 650 words each. Um, That's what, 2,600 words in addition to uh, wrote another thousand this morning on something else. So I'm just churning content all the time. Sounds like it. The the hard thing is when people hire you, it's because they don't have the time, the bandwidth, or maybe even the expertise to generate the raw material. Mm -hmm. It's always easiest for someone to take something and mold it and shape it and snip it rather than just generate it out of whole cloth. I like generating the raw material. Yeah. That's I get to be creative, it's fun. It, you, every project you do starts with a blank page. Yeah, And you go, okay, uh, how am I gonna paint on this? Yeah, And then the third one is engagement. How are you communicating? Is your message getting out to the people you want? Do you wanna be getting more coverage, better coverage? Who do you need to connect with? Mm-hmm. And so I help companies, organizations, nonprofits. I've had a variety of different clients. I'll do that. And I've been successful at it now for three and a half years. Yeah. And the, the third component is engagement. The, so training, yeah. content and engagement. engagement. Gotcha. Uh, listening
1: is definitely one of my strong suits. I'm clearly <laughs> awesome at that.
0: An important quality as a host. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I was just,
1: I, I got caught up in thinking about your writing. Cause I remember yeah. uh, this morning I was reading, uh, sort of your origin story, which was great. Mm, thank you. And at the, at the end, that whole thing about, uh, Making the sword. Oh, yeah. How do um, they make the fucking sword? How do you make the fucking sword? And the the idea that um, there is no having made it necessarily. No. You know, that it's a constant, constant struggle, which I thought was insightful and kind of interesting, which reinforced that I, I think I'd made the right decision in contacting you to talk to people who've... So we talk to a lot of different people, of yeah. course, like you. But um, your focus with jobs, uh, we're focused just kind of on... Uh, you know existential happiness mm. you know or crises, whatever the case may be, right, and uh, we found a lot of universals there's certain things that almost all the happiest people that we meet share mm-hmm. they're um, they have a sense of purpose or they feel like um, one guy said he wanted to be a good ancestor, which I thought was a beautiful notion. Wow, that was his goal that was his striving thing, and he doesn 't have children, which is I thought even more powerful <laughs> but Anyhow, so we've been kind of in this search on our trip for you know, people doing fun and interesting things, but also this the sort of things that bind everyone, mm-hmm. that are common. And what I wanted to know kind of from you is what sort of universals have you witnessed in your, I mean, you've gotten everybody from a comedic singer and actor to linguists mm-hmm. to cooks. I mean, you've got a pretty wide range of people. You've got some canned universals you can pop open okay. for us. Mm-hmm. Expectation led you there Led you by your hand A dark and a crowded space But time ain't that very funny, please
0: listens to my show regularly is probably going to be tired of this metaphor. Good. But, um, one of the things that, that I say is you gotta love the process. No matter what you do, you have to love the process. And so much of the process is digging the ditch. Mm -hmm. You gotta not be afraid to dig the ditch. And if you kind of enjoy digging the ditch, whatever ditch that is, you're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I think about comics in particular, because I love standup comedy, I love reading about standup comedy. I love the idea of just sort of the insane notion of getting up in front of people and being like, "I'm gonna make you laugh." Yeah. Like, <laughs> what uh, what madness is that? Yeah. Here's the thing: standup comedy is largely thankless. It's it's you performing when you start in front of like three drunks at one o'clock in the morning at an open mic, and. There's something about that process that you have to love. Mm-hmm. It's not selling out Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. It's not getting your album released. It's just that raw process of getting up and talking to people. Uh, you think about baseball, right? Baseball's mm-hmm. a sport yeah. built on failure. Yeah. Who, who's the best hitter right now? What is their batting average? What, 330? So that's 670 times out of 1,000 that they are not successful. Yeah. It's, it's getting up there, getting your at bats and, and grinding it out and finding some success that way. Yeah. So as long as you love the process, whatever that process is, you're going to be okay. You're doing it right. Yeah. You're, you're going to enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. I love sitting down and getting an idea out. I'd love to write. I, it's, there's a great quote that says, I don't like writing. I like having written. <laughs> which is one that I identify with because writing can be torturous. It's arduous comes from within. You have to generate it. Like no matter who you are, it's coming from within you Sure. and you birth it into the world. Yes. And then once it's there, you go, look at that. Like I've done that. So it's very satisfying. So I like having written, not necessarily writing, but I I also kind of like the struggle. I had someone on my show who said he's not into bike racing, but he loves riding his bike. He loves the training. Hmm. And I thought the training is what everyone hates. I mean, you think about Alan Iverson, we're talking about practice. He hated practice yeah. in terms of riding his bike. He's like, I like testing my muscles, I like pushing, I like the burn, I like the way that feels. I thought, that's fantastic, man. Then just ride your bike forever. Yeah. Pedal. Just get, on get it. out there and pedal. Yeah. Dig the ditch. Keep digging that ditch. That's yeah. fantastic. You mentioned something a
1: moment ago about failure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing we've we keep seeing is as someone said the other day, you don't necessarily learn from having done it right or having done it correctly. You learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the end of the process is getting it right, but the idea of failure and what a kind of push that is, and what a teaching moment you've gotten some pretty good failure stories from people.
0: Oh yeah. And here's the thing about failure. People tend to, in the abstract view it as a period at the end of a sentence. Failure is a comma. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Your sentence is not over. Um, it's, it's a bump in the road. I mean, that's what a comma is. It's a pause. It's a breath. Mm -hmm. And after that you go, okay, well, this is the first clause in this sentence. What's the second clause. I'm going to rewrite it.
1: Um, and A lot of my sentences have many, many commas. It's run on <laughs>
0: it's full of commas. Please, sorry. And I'm a big proponent of the Oxford comma too before Believe the end. Right. Yeah. You need it. You need Other, otherwise you're going to change the meaning of the sentence unintentionally. Mm. But in terms of failure, failure is so arbitrary and it's so temporary and it's so ethereal unless you make failure your choice yeah. and then it becomes your defining characteristic as long as you view it, you go, Hey, you know what? Dust myself off. Yeah. Get up again. Just go at it. Failure doesn't mean anything. Right. There's, I mean, there's, I think two kinds there's objective and
1: subjective failure, (laughs) objective failure. uh, Those I hope I don't run into, but I've certainly had my share of subjective, but, uh, so changing gears before I begin shifting directly into failure. Uh, (laughs) I, I tend to think about, um, public speaking a lot with, uh, I used to do it quite a bit. I, was, uh, I worked in renewable energy and was an advocate and did an energy education, was out. out speaking all the time. And then I had a moment in one of my um, where I always felt prepared. I never felt worried. I didn't ever have notes. I just knew my, I was fluent in the subject. Right. felt calm. even spoke in foreign countries and was translated everything. But one day, uh, at about 9 a.m, I was the first speaker to go, and uh, there was a senator, it was a panel. Senator to my left and a bunch of subject matter experts. And I was kind of you know, coordinating a bunch of it and let in <coughs> and I started speaking. And I feel I, I describe it as an acid flashback, but I'm not certain that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. I felt this crazy rush of energy. I lost my train of thought entirely. Yeah. Buckets of sweat pouring out of my hands. And I, I'm certain I continued to talk. <laughs> And uh finally I hear the senator say, you know, Andrew, if we could just keep it within ten minutes. <laughs> and I look at the crowd, suddenly I'm like back and there's just horrified faces yeah. in front of me. Mercifully, none of this is on YouTube. I don't know yeah. how but and I was like, Well, in conclusion, uh get the fuck out of here. Right. And uh so since then I've had a really tough time with public speaking. I don't know what mm. happened, what uh where I went or what's going on, but uh I officiated a wedding and I've done a couple other things and it was way more difficult than it ever was. Hmm. Have you ever experienced anything remotely similar in the people that you've coached or?
0: Yeah. I mean, especially when you point a camera at someone or you stick a microphone in someone in front of someone, Mm -hmm. which is one of the challenges with hosting because sometimes your guests, when you're talking to them off mic, are very evocative very effusive very uh engaging you turn the mics on and all of a sudden they just lock up there's a mic in front of them and they go oh this is on the record or i i don't know what happens but they freak out so the guy that we were doing for the cbs evening news one of my favorite guys it just really funny and sort of off kilter but Uh, great subject matter expertise. And he looked like a fucking fifties matinee idol. I mean, just,
2: yeah.
0: I mean, he may as well have been like Burt Lancaster, like like a young guy, just like really like, you know, rock jaw, that kind of thing. We put the mic on him and he, he just, he turned into, you know, like the way you picture Mark Zuckerberg looking, (laughs) you know, just like, just sort of horrified and like childlike, you know, just and I go, whoa, what happened? Like, what? someone turn off the, the freeze ray. Yeah. Someone bring Mike back because we need Mike for this TV spot. It took us a lot of coaching to get him used to the camera. Mm. And it was a hard thing to talk him through. And one of the things that alleviates this is prep. Mm-hmm. Getting anyone to a state where they feel like they are prepped and they know what's coming. So we did hard, hard training on him. We asked him every difficult and shitty thing we could think of yeah. because that's the point of practice, right? When you get to game time, you want it to be easy. Yeah. And so we get done with it. I go, how was that? And he goes, man, that was easy. They didn't ask me like any of that shit. I go, I know, dude, I told you. <laughs> I know? Like we did that on purpose. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen that a bunch. I teaching public speaking for two years, someone was standing up there, forgot to unlock their knees and passed out so if you lock your knees and stand up you'll pass out after not too long yeah and so they fell down up there and you go oh no um someone had to go throw up before they would give their speech yeah it happens but i think it's like anything else if you demystify it i mean what was the what was it like don't tell me specifically unless you want to what was it like the first time you had sex right it's, I'd love to tell you about that right now. No, that's sorry. Let's make it happen. This will be a much different flavor show.
1: Yeah. It, and I just want you to know in that sentence was longer than my first performance. So just, <laughs> please continue.
0: Yeah, no, that feels familiar. But it, it's fraught with tension, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it you go, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. There's another person here. I don't know how we're interacting. And then you do it a few times, you go, man, all right, I'm pretty good at this. Hopefully you get to that point. (laughs) So let me get my notes out. So you say you're pretty good at this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Crush it. (laughs) And you know what? Whatever you say, own it, right? Yeah, there you go. Just lean into it. Lean in. So uh, That's actually my technique. Ask my wife. Lean in. (laughs) Sorry. Lean in. It's good. Is he good at that? Fantastic. Lean in and all of a sudden... (laughs) What a day lean out, wake up. (laughs) What a time to be alive. So, uh, it's, it's like anything else, you know, the more you sort of demystify it, the more you get familiar with it, the better it'll be. So my sense is based on what happened to you, you had this sort of out of body experience, right? And I'm diagnosing this sort of way after the fact and based on an anecdote, but now that's made you gun shy. You know,
1: I almost think... So I didn't mention the variable was that I did have notes. And for me, Mm. a lot of... So I I play music. And uh, the more I've learned about music theory, the less I've enjoyed it. Mm. And the more I've taken the mystery out of it, the weirder it gets for me. And I feel like I may have, to your point, um, begun to demystify it. Uh And it fucked me. (laughs) Like, I just couldn't... You know what I mean? Like, I just like this is all kind of impulse driven and once I'm running on something other than impulse mm. I feel like I might be running on roller skates I don't feel interesting, good you know I don't feel uh, like I have my feet on the ground and some traction
0: mm.
1: so I don't know maybe I'm Broken or
2: something. No, so
0: I mean, you're very instinctual communicator. That's that's one of those things. uh, In terms of if you're coaching someone to be a better public speaker or get more familiar in front of the camera, Hmm. I'm not looking to turn anyone into someone that they're not. You just want the best and most comfortable version of themselves to emerge. Right. So if you can serve as a guide to help that come out, then you're doing good work. If you're trying to fit them into a mold, it's never going to work. So you telling me that that would be a much different type of media training that we would then do. Right. Um, So you, in terms of what I do, listening is really, really important and helping people become the best versions of themselves. That's really all there is to it.
1: Well, the new trick for me is going to be to invite uh, therapists and coaches onto the podcast so I can get (laughs) free therapy and free coaching (laughs) did not mean to suddenly put you in.
0: (laughs) Well, dude, here's the thing. The whole first season of my show, Someone told me, I didn't know I was doing this, but someone told me, hey, you were just training yourself to be an entrepreneur. Mm. I go, what are you talking about? And they said, you interviewed so many entrepreneurs about how they got there and what they did and, yeah. and what made them successful that you were equipping yourself to do it. Yeah, And I go, did not realize I was doing that. Anytime you're operating on a, on a deeper level than you are sort of thinking that you are, yeah. you're doing great work. Yeah, you're picking up something <laughs> yeah. else. Huh. So did that, do you think... <laughs>
1: Were you already, no, you weren't self-employed when you no. started. The, so you are now. Yeah. And you, have you informed a lot of what you're doing with uh, the people you've, the interviews you've conducted and the sort of people you've met? What do you mean? Does, have you made um, your ability, did you teach yourself, in fact, how to be an entrepreneur yeah. to, through the podcast? In a
0: lot of ways, yes. Yeah. And I've circled back with a lot of those people. Notably, my favorite guest of the show was probably this guy, Will Matthews. Who when, when we were both in corporate, we just we hit it off immediately. Who was your last guess? My last Ar- guess, Ari. Uh, yeah, kind Ari of, Hoffman. Did you hear that, Ari? Yeah, that went up uh, not, today. I'm not the favorite. <laughs> <Just kidding>. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Sorry. And uh, so Will was, I mean, just so inspirational. And again, this is, this comes up on my show again and again. But leap in the net will appear. That's what he said to me. Huh. So many people are afraid to make the leap. Yeah, because the. The cliff face is very steep and it's very sheer and you go i'm gonna end up like the coyote in those old roadrunner cartoons and you leap and then the world shows you graciousness the yeah. world reveals itself to you in really really remarkable ways because they go wow that guy took the leap we gotta help him hmm. and so especially if you have a nice network of other entrepreneurs they go look here's the pitfalls here's where i went wrong yeah here's Here's your cat <laughs> here's here's things that go right and here let me introduce you to this person hmm. and so if you're willing to make the leap the world will tend to guide you as best that it can not always sure i mean some people are fuckers like what can you say yeah and,
1: and nothing's fair there's no. no such thing
0: no and and there's no such thing as turns either no that was one thing that i learned very early in my show the very first guest i ever cold pitched was this guy jason heller Who's now doing a tour uh for his book called Strange Stars? It's about sci-fi and pop music in the 70s. Hmm. And he's been God all across the country on it. But he said punk rock teaches you that there are no turns. Yeah. So don't wait for your turn. You gotta step up and just assert what you want and go for it. And I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I like that notion. No turns.
1: So what's next? I mean, what are you with your, are you trying to grow your business? Or are you trying to just may stay the course you're trying to grow the podcast. I mean, you won
0: an award last year, right? The yeah. Best podcast and dinner. That's kind of hip. That was pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah. and I won reader's choice too. So that was popular vote. It wasn't that's, the editor's choice. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I, yeah, I'm very, very grateful for that. What's interesting is people always ask me what my plan is for my business. You know, mm. what's your growth? And I asked that on my show too. And this is my standard answer. As long as I don't have to, as long as I don't have to work for someone else ever again, then I'm doing fine. Um, Sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, uh, it, if, if the right opportunity comes up, then great. I'll embrace that. I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I can set my own course entirely. Yeah. Opportunities arise. You need to assess whether or not they're for you. But as long as that's a choice, as long as I'm not going, okay, I'm not in front of my house with a cup in my hand, you know, going, okay, I need to make the mortgage here. Mm -hmm. And so I have to get another job. As long as that never happens, then my business has been successful. I like that in terms of the pod, Yeah, I'd like it to grow. It's like the movie Wayne's World. You know, if someone were to say we want to pay you a bunch of money, it's like I'm sorry. It's not like you just want to pay me for doing Wayne's World because I'm going to do the pod anyway. Yeah, right. It's something I can't not do, Uh, and I've wanted to quit because I mean, you know what it's like. It's work. You got to edit it. You got to get it out there. You got to, and I mean, I've been doing it now for four and a half years. Yeah, and so at this point. I still love the show and I still want to do the show. What's weird is once you've been around long enough, other opportunities emerge that you don't expect. Hmm. So I'm producing like other podcasts. Oh, that's cool. And I'm potentially hosting another one coming up here later this fall. And these are like paid gigs. Yeah. I'm speaking on a panel this Saturday at the, and this'll be long. This'll be, you know, this will have come out since I've done that, but it's the Colorado independent publishers association. I got invited to talk about authors and how they pitch being a podcast guest and doing a podcast tour to drive publicity for their books. And I'm like, okay, these opportunities are starting to emerge and it's a byproduct of just sticking around longer than everyone else. Yeah. If you can do that, yeah, <laughs> then people go, Oh wow, he's been doing it for a while. He must know what he's talking about. And to whatever extent that's true, right? I mean, it sort of varies by person, but that's kind of where it's at.
1: Well, you've certainly, whatever luck is heading your way, you've left yourself in a good position to be prepared for its arrival.
0: Yeah, and I think I heard on a previous episode of your show, luck is one of those things that just doesn't show up. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where if you position yourself correctly, when luck arrives, Mm -hmm. you can capitalize on it. Yeah. But if you're not sort of ready for it, then you'll never recognize it. Right right so and you know
1: luck comes in all forms it ain't always right. good and uh <laughs> knockwood luck is luck has been recently very good to us i i gotta say it's hard for me at this point in the game to call it one to call it a pod because that feels like calling uh you know your dad like hey hey alan what's up you know <laughs> i don't feel like i'm i'm ready to call it a pod but i certainly can't call it work yet because mm. uh, we are i mean we've we left work. We were both doing work Mm -hmm. and we're just traveling around. So it it doesn't yet feel like work, but I get to your point. There is a lot to do. Oh, sure. I mean, we put in, I put in a lot of hours editing and, you know, trying to promote it and and share it. And it's weird for us, the, uh, if we could do it more anonymous, anonymously, I think (laughs) I would, because it's more about the people that we're meeting. Like, I, I feel like each episode is kind of a homage to that person and the way we structure it i almost feel like it's writing a song where you know the music is thematically relevant or atmospherically relevant right And, and it's kind of a fun fun thing but it's very little to do with with us even though i end up doing a lot of talking
0: as i'm formulating
1: questions in
0: my head dude here's the thing though this is where you're mistaken oh good um because i've been doing my show for four and a half years and that was always my ethos it's about my guest, I'm gonna mm-hmm. focus on my guest. I, I want, I. no one gives a shit about me. Right. Here's the thing though, you're the through line of the show. You are the guide, you are the audience surrogate, and people are going to come to learn more about you. So right. my advice to you, in addition to sex, is to lean into it, yeah. right? Yeah. Because the more you embrace that, and the sooner that you realize you are more a part of this show than maybe you want, or maybe than you think, hmm the more successful you're gonna be. And I know you Mm -hmm. wanna anonymize it, but my suspicion is you're gonna have a similar problem marketing your show as I do mine which is every guest is so different yeah. than each other guest. Yeah. And it's like, Hey, if you love this one with this guy who takes uh, beautiful pictures all across the country and, you know, does motorcycle tours through Siberia, yeah. you're also going to love it with this guy who does media training in Denver. Yeah. And and your audience goes, well, what, why, <laughs> what do you mean? Like that? That's weird. Yeah. Um, for instance, with me this week's episode, Ari Hoffman, psychotherapist. uh, Great episode. We talked about healthcare. We talked about the importance of mental health, how we take care of ourselves. Previous episode was all about coffee, yeah. right? It's with this guy Eric Yokum who founded Two Rivers Coffee. So, I mean, there's an entrepreneurship sort of right. strain in there. But those two episodes are drastically different in subject matter from each other. So, your audience needs to trust you mm. in terms of you know sort of facilitating and curating this this roster of guests because if yeah. they trust you then you can take them on any journey that right. that you want
1: i like that so be to <laughs> our guests and our listeners what a toilet is to food and poop it's like that through line <laughs> that's what you're saying am i getting that good just
0: kidding that's profoundly <laughs> awful <laughs> But not inaccurate.
1: (laughs) Not inaccurate. Okay, that that is the subtitle of our show from now on. (laughs) Profoundly awful, but not entirely inaccurate.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Monkey 2. I mean, however you want to associate your show, man, that's up to you.
1: (laughs) Okay. I feel uh, a lot better about what we're doing now. Good. So, So in terms of being... Uh, podcast hosts and yeah. and you're it, i i can't imagine so we interviewed a bunch of our friends and and people kind of knew not some not very well some very well in the place where we were living but since we've left there it's been we're some of these people we may never see again um and we may never have any sort of relationship other than like an, a letter here conversation there mm-hmm. um i mean there's one guy i don't know that We'll ever even hear from him again. Uh, it was just kind of a random guy named Russ Yulee. Oh, yeah. Who I would love to hear from again. He was a beautiful 85 year old man. He was fantastic, but he, he doesn't know how to check his voicemail. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I, so it's going to be unlikely that we're going to connect with him. Right. But uh, you, on the other hand, are in this town. You're in a market, <laughs> you're in a place uh-huh. with people that you're going to interact with I mean, professionally. And I imagine, are you making friends? Like, uh, are some of your guests become friends with you at all? Or
0: So when I started the show, I leaned on my friends and Mm -hmm. I leaned on my professional network because you don't have anything to show them. Right. And so you go, uh, Hey, would you be on my podcast? And they go, yeah, what is it? And it's like, well, I haven't made it yet, but I kind of need content. It's chicken or egg problem. Um, the answer is it's across the spectrum. Some of these people, I don't think I've seen since I've talked to them on the podcast and we live in the same town, Mm. but that's a condition of modern living, Right. Yeah. I mean, how often, I, I was talking to a guy, his name's Tucker Gumber. He's the uh, festival guy. Tucker so he, Gumber. Yeah, I know. So awesome. it's, it's a wild handle, isn't it? Wow. So he goes across the country and goes to all these festivals. I'm like, is it hard not being in the same place? And he goes, well, okay, you live here. How often do you see your friends? I go, huh. <laughs> well, I have two kids. So many of them almost never. Some of them I haven't seen in years and I still consider them some of my best friends in the world. I have a place in my heart for every one of my guests, anyone who has been willing to sit down with me for an hour Mm -hmm. because having a conversation like this, even though we didn't know each other before today, this is real connection Mm -hmm. and that's what you hope to convey via audio. That's why people listen to podcasts. I mean, shit, just to feel something, right? Right. Yeah I I want to feel that connection. I want to feel intimacy. I want to you know connect with people where we're not on our phones and we're yeah. not you know doing something else or we're not busy with another task. You're just people connecting. Yeah. So to the extent that I see them again, I know it's not going to be the same as when we're sitting down. Mm-hmm. And that's fine because I have this time capsule now. I have more than 190 time capsules. It's pretty great of of, of real connection and real sort of, you know, intimacy. And that to me is reason enough to do it. And one reason I'm thrilled to keep going. This certainly, uh, one of our guests
1: said that travel for him had redefined his notion of friendship. Hmm. Um, and we just keep, we, I'll just go ahead and say, we keep referencing Ricardo Serpa who's you know, no offense to all the rest of my guests, but so far he's been my favorite.
0: Oh, I listened to that one. <laughs> yeah, he's great. That one was great.
1: But uh, uh, you know that that redefining a notion of friendship through travel is certainly possible with this even though like a lot of these people we may never have any you know if i lived around them i would certainly want to be their friends sure but uh you know the reality is you can only live in one place at a time we're not going to be great friends with all these people but i do feel a kinship and a friendship and a connection with people that i've had this sort of thing with, cause it's different than a normal conversation Oh yeah, and it has a lot of the same elements, mm-hmm. but, um, it's like, maybe it's one of those Toto toilets with the, uh, the, the spray and the little thing that warms your ass and dries you. Maybe that's the difference. <laughs> that's the different kind of toilet that I could be for, Anyway, I'll drop that. Analogy. Whatever, Toilet Man. <laughs> yeah, but that that you get to have this moment with with people that's yeah. so different and is being recorded, and you know the element of having this microphone in your face, which makes it a little weird, and 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 that you're in the headphones together. Mm-hmm. Like that's new to me. I just did that for the first time the other day. I put a headphone. I got new headphones. Thanks, Denver. Yeah. Uh, on my guest and had them on myself. I was like, oh
0: man. Yeah.
1: We're not interrupting each other like uh-huh. we would if we didn't have these on. It's just a. It's kind of a cool thing, so I'm, I'm, very, I'm very grateful for that.
0: Well, and here's the thing that I've learned, and I came to this realization recently. Uh, I had, as we all have, falling out with some of our friends. Sure. Right? It happens. And in the past, I think I would have felt, I would have continued to just carry that bag of rocks with me. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the, whatever the result of the falling out or the ill feelings you have, that tends to be your enduring memory. What I've realized is there's more to my friendships than the, the period at the end of the sentence to come back to this. And instead of focusing on that, I think about my gratitude for the time that I had with them in my life. Yeah. And in that way, you're almost friends forever mm. because there was a time in my life where I saw this person every day. Yeah. And then at some point that time ends and it's weird because you never know when it's going to end. Sometimes it's through work, sometimes, you know, you graduate college, whatever it is. But the fact that you can live in that memory and you're back there with that person and you have that collective experience, you'll always have that. Yeah. And that's so cool. And that's true of podcasting too. Even if it's just an hour, even if we never cross paths again, yeah. we had this hour together Yeah. and that hour is unlike anything else that either of us has ever had before or right. since. And that's so cool.
1: Yeah, it is cool. And going back and editing episodes is really nice because you get to hang out with that person all over again. <laughs> and uh, you can, well, judge yourself for having not listened particularly well at times or asked really dumb questions or in my case, having said lots of dumb things, right. but you get to you get to spend time with that person all over <clears throat> again as an observer, which is kind of fun.
0: That is weird. I've never thought of it in those terms because usually at, at this point, a lot of times I'm grinding through an edit, mm-hmm. and my editing process has gotten much faster. And it's I would say I'm much more detached from it than I used to be.
1: Well, you're a busy guy. You well. got two kids. You've got you're writing things. You're running a company. <laughs> yeah, I'm raising a small rat dog. Uh, with my wife and we're
0: eating sandwiches and driving around. We don't have that much to do. <laughs> oh, that sounds pretty good too. Um, but, and, and the other part of it is, I mean, I've just gotten better at it, yeah. you know, so I, I can almost like turn off from it a little bit. Mm. And I think in some ways that's a mistake mm. because what you're talking about is revisiting it almost as an observer where you become two different versions of yourself. Yeah. You're the guy editing it and you're the guy in the mic, in your headphones that's uh i mean that's two different people
1: yeah it is and it's it's keeps it fun um another thing i really enjoy doing but i'm not particularly good at is writing hmm. and I, I really like your writing and I, oh, it's, thanks. it's kind of like for me to sit down i can't, i've never really done a word count I, mm-hmm. I just recently interviewed a guy who does music journalism and, you know, he talked like you did about word counts. And I've always think, of like, well, i got, you know, five or six pages here. <laughs> I forget about word counts. But, you know, to really crank it out, I lose myself. I almost, I like to write fiction. And sometimes uh, we write a lot about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go back, you know, finish writing. Like, I'll stop. And it's almost like I come to and I go back and I can read it to myself. Mm. Uh, it's, a, a, again, that whole observer thing. Yeah, I Observe it having been done. So I think I really enjoy writing. Yeah. And when I really get into it, I, I, I don't realize I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and suddenly there's a narrative or some sort of story or something yeah. on the page. So when you talked about enjoying the process and really getting into the process, when you write, what's your process? Do you, is it just a stream of consciousness or what are you, what are you going through?
0: Uh, it depends on what I'm writing. Um, if, if I'm writing just for me, which I haven't done much in a while because I'm doing so much of it professionally, But okay, going back a little bit in 2008, I started a website called the Crew Jones Society, which is a reference to uh, a character in an 80s BMX movie called Rad. The main character is called Crew Jones. Crew Jones. And uh, so I started it with some friends and we just it was kind of mix of pop culture criticism and like personal blogging. And we wrote every day. And so it was updated constantly. We did that for three years and my articles were long and I just, it was pouring out of me. And what I do is I'd have like a germ of an idea and then I just blow it out. So yeah. it, it was, it was like concentric circles. Like I knew what the nut was. Mm-hmm. And then from there it's like, Oh, okay. So this, and then I can talk about this and I can bridge back to this. Sometimes I'll have a phrase that will come to me and I can build an entire article around that. Really. I'm ghostwriting a lot for other people, so I like to read stuff for like that's in their voice. Will, will you explain go- yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah, I think you're actually about to do it. Sorry for the interruption.
0: So, no, it's uh, ghostwriting is people in companies or in positions of power again, they don't have time to generate the raw material for a full op-ed or say like, you know, uh, a company newsletter. In my corporate gig, it got to the point where any email that came from our senior VP, I had already written the first draft of, and he would just tailor it hmm. because I had figured out his voice. Now, this this isn't some weird thing where I'm trying to you know, be an imposter for someone. Everything that I write gets ultimate approval through whoever's name is on it, but they don't always want to do the first draft. You need to get them some materials, so you ghostwrite it for them. And when you read it in the paper, you go, yeah, I wrote like 90% of that. They changed some of it, but you know, that was my, that was my sort of hand to keys. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll think about the point I'm wanting to make and I'll come up with a turn of phrase and I go, okay, I got it. And I'll build the entire thing around that. Um, and then sometimes it, it flows out of me, like kids walking into a lunchroom, just in a perfect line. I just lay the words down on the page and it stays in that order because I know the format that I'm writing. Um, Sometimes you got to start with the ending and then you build it back and you go, I don't know how I'm going to get into this subject, but I know where I want to end up. Hmm. How do I consider the audience and make sure I maximize their understanding of it? I can't just start here and I can't just start here in the middle. I need to start from... Uh, a different place, and what is that? And that takes a while to engineer. So, I mean, it all depends in terms of the process, but I know that once I start clacking away, then I can get there because I've had enough at bats doing this to where I, I know what I'm doing. And sometimes you just have to fake it till you make it, you'll just start writing. Um, I've written stream of consciousness before and you you get done with it. You go, well, this is all bullshit, (laughs) but Oh, Oh, I know where I need to go now. (laughs) Right. And so you, you almost get everything out of the way. You sort Mm. of, you sort of vomit it out of the system. And then what's left is the core of the idea. You've, you've cleared out all the noise. Now you can actually get to work. Hmm. So if you're writing for pleasure, um, sometimes that just writing for fun, will yield some really interesting things and you'll yeah. save it for later. Yeah. It's interesting because
1: for me, a lot of times I think the premise is bullshit. So mm-hmm. when it comes out as bullshit, I've hit the mark. So that's, <laughs> okay. That's easy. But no, I, I like, that sounds like a really um, kind of a fascinating process that you can just take a phrase and build an entire, yeah. uh, an entire Essay. What do you even call it? Just an op-ed or an essay, it's, or well, whatever it's, it's going to be.
0: I mean, yeah, it depends on what it is. Sometimes it's it's letters to uh, government entities. Sometimes it's yeah. letters to communities. Sometimes it's uh, letters to employees. Right. Uh, sometimes it's something that will appear in a newspaper. Sometimes it's social media fodder. There's any number of different things people will pay you to write right. because most people, when they write, suck. I mean, a a lot of writing is shitty, Mm -hmm. even stuff that you read that is professionally written. You go, wow, this is terrible. Mm. I use this uh, analogy all the time, but I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but I've brought it up a number of times here. Those are at any given time, the 750 best players in the entire world, more or less, right? I mean, with some outliers, depending on what part of the world you're in and, you know, guys rising through the minors. And when you watch baseball, you go, God, why does that guy suck so bad? <laughs> That's true of any sport. These are professionals working at the highest level. And you right. go, man, you are still shitty. And that is, and you are awful to watch. This is annoying. That is doubly true in the professional world. If you think about how many shitty podcasts are out there, right? There was one that came up recently, and I don't mind slagging this one because he calls himself the John of all trades. Oh man, that's son of a bitch. He's got two episodes and I looked at it. I go, you didn't even produce this properly. You managed to get it on iTunes. So, I mean, bully for you, I guess, but dude, like put just 2% more <laughs> effort into this and who, and it it will be out of the sewer. <laughs> um, so even when you get to the highest levels, there are a lot of really crappy PR people out there. <laughs> Um, there are, an un, I think it's a higher percentage with realtors yeah. because my wife used to be a realtor and she said the thing she hated most was dealing with other realtors. Uh-huh. So I don't remember why I got on this tangent. Well, I think it was basically to have
1: you... Mentioned the John of all trades yet on your show? No. Yeah, you've been waiting. No, this I, whole honestly, thing I haven't. Is, you've just baiting me to get to this moment so you could shit on the
0: John. Hon- you hear that, the John? You've been called. Out. Honest to God, no. Um, although it's funny, there he's is a. In, he's not in Denver, is he? No. Okay. There is a there is a guy in Washington who calls himself John of all trades and he's like a handyman. Oh, I like that. So I, I got an email, someone was asking me to like install light fixtures in their house. Oh, you, you said yes, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, cause I'm not traveling all the way to Washington. I think that'd be cost prohibitive for whoever was trying to hire me. You never
1: know till you put out that invoice, be like, if you're willing to pay this,
0: you feel pay this. Also, okay. if he wants really shitty like handiwork, that was what I'm we were, the guy.
1: That was what we were talking about, shitty yeah. handiwork yeah even when you're in the majors, you can still yeah, suck
0: I, I mean so ha, i mean having having awareness of how you're making your craft mm-hmm. and being aware to try and make it better at all times, i you know do that, don't do that i I don't personally care, but it's something that I'm sort of highly self aware of mm.
1: yeah, we're <clears throat> becoming increasingly aware of the do's and don'ts and uh you know Tiffany my sweet wife is not a big fan of podcasts we don't listen to very many now that we're traveling together we 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 managed to get some in but when i was by myself working you know building our van or building stuff or driving in between massage appointments i had plenty of time to listen to them so but now that we actually do one if we listen to one it's and edit like listening to someone we've recorded Mm -hmm. and making sure we don't sound as dumb as we think we do. Um, and, and it's tough to remember the do's and don'ts. Mm. So it's, it's good to hear from someone who actually does this portion of their living. Are you getting paid? Are you, are you a professional podcaster Do you? Uh,
0: not for my show. So I break even on my show. I have one sponsor Mm -hmm. and they cover my hosting costs Mm -hmm. and they cover all my tech support. And in exchange, I promote their company. So, I cut that deal before I even did an episode. Wow. I said, I don't, That's great. Yeah. I don't want to pay for um, my hosting. So, will you sponsor my show? And in exchange, will you build my website and do all this? And he said, sure. That's great. He, yeah. He's a friend of mine from a, a good amount back. Um, so, no, but it has led to me getting paid to be a podcaster. Right. right uh, in, in other ways. In other, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic.
1: I wanted to talk to you about one more thing. I know we got to get cracking. Uh, well you, you do, <laughs> we don't have shit to do, but yeah. What uh, are you up to this afternoon? Uh, <laughs> we are, um, we don't have anything. We're going to go back by a place and see some guy and eat some more food. And or we're going to go camping, uh, next couple of days with a friend of ours, maybe some hot springs. Wow.
0: That sounds like a thin slice. All right. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> might be a big fat, thick <laughs> slice of art. One thing I wanted to just touch on too, sure. And I, I got some time. I got some runway okay, here, okay. so um, it's so funny. I burned out on podcasts too, mm. um, because I was doing my show and it took so much time and so much energy. I was spending so much time with Big Blocks Audio that the last thing I wanted to do was spend more time with Big Blocks Audio, mm. and. It's only recently that I've started to listen to more podcasts and it's because I go I don't know what's out there anymore. And so I'm doing these other projects and different kinds of projects. I go I got to explore the genre a little bit more yeah. and see kind of what's possible and it's reignited my love of podcasts and I'm listening to a bunch of them again. Yeah, it's great, man. It's wild. So it it's kind of circular in that way, so yeah. I mean you may come around and doing this show, who knows, Tiffany? Maybe. <sighs> Maybe not, but there are so many different types of shows out there too, which is really cool. They're they're not all just interview focused. We have a very similar thrust here, Mm -hmm. but you know, that's, uh, I don't know, man. You'll, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah.
2: It's not that I don't like podcasts. I just really like silence. Oh, funny. Uh, That's the thing. (laughs) Oh,
0: that's fair. She doesn't get that much of that out of me, (laughs) unfortunately. Well, and see when I'm in my car, uh, I keep waiting to turn the age where I listen to like NPR or, or like listen to talk radio, but I'm still like listening to punk rock really, really loud in my car. And and sometimes it's, it's podcast, but no, more often than not, I'm listening to music. If I'm in the car with my kids, it's music. If I'm in the car by myself, it's music, but louder.
1: Yeah. Uh, You know, what's strange. I love music and I'm a huge fan, but I, would never listen to music in the car. After, hmm. I don't know, a certain period of time I used to play music, I would... When I discovered NPR, and you could hear people talk about all kinds of weird yeah. shit on there, I loved it. And I would always look for it. I mean, I, I drove cars <laughs> all across the country yeah. looking for Coast to Coast AM. You know, just any oh, sort with of... Oh, that weird... Uh, George Norrie yeah. back yeah. in the day, yeah. Wow. Art Bell. Oh. Art Bell is oh, who I was thinking Bell. of. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. a weird cat. It was a weird show. I loved that shit. And I, I just, I love people sharing because live radio especially oh, is, live radio is wild it can go so tits up so quickly <laughs> yeah. and and i actually have wanted to uh be on the radio and in lieu of being on actual radio podcasting allows you to do fake radio mm-hmm. so having a fake radio show of our own is so much fun oh, I mean, yeah. it really is i still think of it as just a fun fun thing to do well and, and you've you
0: know, cultivated that npr voice too yeah <laughs> you've uh, you've got that going do I, really,
1: I just every time i hear my own voice i'm sure you've gotten used to it i, I still i want to fast forward through it every time oh see now i did college comments. radio
0: yeah and i used to tape my shows mm. so i did college radio for 5 years and then now i i do a, a radio show for one of my clients and I've done my show for four and a half years. It doesn't I, bother I don't you give a shit. I know what it sounds like. Yeah. It still bugs the show to me. So. The, the <laughs> weird thing that everyone doesn't know is that the version of your own voice that you hear in your head, you're the only person who hears that. Yeah. Everyone else hears what, you know, you're yeah. hearing. Yeah. And people go, wow, that's awful. I go, no, that should be very comforting to you yeah. <laughs> because you're the outlier in terms of yeah. what you're hearing. I'll take that, I guess. Take it. So. So, uh. Uh, this is
1: totally unrelated to just about anything else we've talked about. Um, you went on a personal transformation journey hmm. uh, with your health and weight yeah. and stuff. Do you feel comfortable talking about that? Oh, soon? yeah. Like you, you lost, what, like 40, 50 pounds or something? 40 like
0: pounds. Uh, I gained 20 of it back, and then I lost 30. No shit. And so, and now I've gained some of that back, and I'm in the process of losing that. Uh, and this last time, you can largely attribute it to stress and the fact that I like drinking too much. Hmm. But
1: you like uh, drinking too much at a time, or too, you just enjoy drinking. Uh, yes, both? both. Yeah, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yes,
0: is the answer to that. Yeah, uh, I got to find new hobbies, man. Yeah. Um, because, and especially like living in Denver. Like me and my wife are really into the the craft beer scene. It's huge here. It's massive. I, I've
1: never seen anything like
0: it. And uh, it's, I mean, it's like everywhere too. Yeah. And there's, they're always coming out with new types and new styles. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's just so many great breweries that it's like, we got to find a new hobby. Um, maybe we do, maybe we don't. But yeah. So what do you want to know? Well, how'd you get there? I mean, what, for one maybe just tell
1: everybody what, I don't know if you want to go through weights or whatever you you've sure. lost 40. Okay. But what made you land there? Was it a fear of health? Did you have, like, you see something in your
0: family, Did you lose a loved one? Does it just, you wanted to feel better where, uh, largely vanity. Okay. Um, I, I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, I didn't like looking and feeling like a fat shit anymore. And that was, I mean, that was the main thing and you know i got to a point i told this story on one of the pieces i wrote where i was at banana republic and i was buying some more clothes and that like banana republic is cut a little bit more generously than some of the other brands like h m you, you got to be like real thin for that <laughs> um and i tried stuff on in my normal size and i was like bursting at the seams i was just like packed in there like a sausage and I go, this is awful. Like I gotta lose some weight. The other problem was I grew up with a lot of food anxiety. And so I was a super picky eater. Mm. And I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I ate a salad until I was like 22. Um, wow. So yeah, I didn't like vegetables. I still don't much like fruit, but now I eat everything. And I wrote this tribute to Anthony Bourdain on my website because Bourdain really helped me overcome my food anxiety. <laughs> Because he was going all over the world. Yeah. Showed you the joy of it. The exactly. Fine. Yeah. And watching chopped too, especially on the food network, because they, they would talk about, well, this really needs a, a fresh element to brighten it up or this needs more acid or whatever. Yeah. It gave me this intellectual hook into food. And so I could understand it more than just sort of like anxiety over trying new food. And I don't exactly know where that came from. Hmm. But the fact that you're sort of limited in your diet and then your metabolism slows down as you get older, I mean, I was just gaining weight and, you know, my wife and I were married, so she likes to say we were fat, dumb, and happy, which is a great place to be, but eventually it's kind of unsustainable. Yeah. So this was in like 2012, it was right after Thanksgiving, we started it. And then over eight and a half months, I lost 40 pounds just doing Weight Watchers and it was great. And I learned how to eat and I learned, all sorts of stuff as a result of that. I kept it off for a while. Then we had kids, stress uh, arose. You know, you're sort of trapped in the house a lot, so you're drinking at home more and gained 20 of it back. And then went on this other program and lost 30, and it was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, mostly vanity. There's some obesity on my dad's side, um, not a ton. I mean, nothing like crisis level, and, and no one like right. morbidly obese. But it was, it was more about just being tired of looking at who I was. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's fine enough motivation. Did you add like, is exercise a part of the deal or is it just a change in diet or behaviors? If you're looking for
0: raw weight loss, you're not going to get there through exercise. Right. It's almost all diet. Um, Exercise is good and you should do it. And there's so many benefits to it. But in terms of raw weight loss, exercise ain't going to get you yeah. there. It's all diet and, and timing and things like that. Right. Uh, because, I mean, I had worked out three times a week since I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still gaining all the weight because you tend to overcompensate when you exercise, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, I spent 25 minutes on the elliptical. I can eat this whole pizza. <laughs> you know? Like, that sounds
1: gr- I wish so badly. I would I, reverse vanity. If that were the real math, I would work out so often just to be able to eat. <laughs> oh, everything. no kidding.
0: Okay. Here's, here's a theoretical question for you. Okay. And I, I, Great. I, I promised before we got on here, I wasn't going to interview you, no, but fun. I got, I got to know the answer to this one. Okay. If you could make one food calorie free for the rest of your life, but it still tastes the same and you still get the same level of pleasure out of it. What food would that be? Oh man. I mean, so,
1: calorie free like you just eat as much of it as you wanted.
0: Yeah, and you won't gain any. It, it, it has food. no negative impact. Mexican food. Oh yeah. All <laughs> like,
1: all things Mexican because it is like it is the absolute reverse of that super high calorie, <laughs> oh, yeah, super cooked ready. in lard. Yeah. Like, oh, I would, so good. I would just eat my weight in Mexican food daily, and be uh, happier than I've ever been.
0: Yeah. My answer is beer. Beer. Um, I mean that's that's a no brainer for me. Yeah. Just, um, yeah.
1: Fair enough. But uh,
0: yeah. And it's funny. You, you go through that journey and when you're going on the, on the incline, you know, Mm -hmm. as you're gaining weight, your clothes start to not fit. Mm -hmm. But Then when you come on the decline, your clothes also start not fitting, but you're kind of happy about it. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, which is an odd feeling. You're like, Hey, none of this shit fits. Yeah. Hey, none of this shit fits. All right. (laughs) Fantastic.
1: It tweaks the notion of vanity. You know what I mean? Like, well, like a lot of skinny people wear tight fitting clothes, like to wear ill fitting clothes when you're skinny, (laughs) it's gotta be its own sort of little reward. Well,
0: eventually you size down Mm. and you go, Whoa, cool. I didn't know that I could be this size when I, so I'm up currently like 15 pounds from where I want to be 10, 15 pounds, something like that but when I got to the lowest point, I bought this size of jeans, it was a, it was a 32 inch waist and they're still glamor sized, you know, like let's, let's not fool ourselves here. But the fact that I could buy the one with the tag on that, I'm like, I don't think I've been able to do that since I was 14. Wow. Um, what a cool feeling. Yeah. That's great, man. Well,
1: cheers to your journey. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I am going to honor the time.
2: Okay.
0: I'm just
1: going to do it. And we can sit around <laughs> and talk afterwards, but I just, uh, Thanks a bunch, man. I yeah. appreciate your insight, uh, your willingness to let two total strangers into your house.
0: Hey, man, if if I'm asking people to talk to me who I've never met before, I, I got to be open to the opportunity. Yeah. And of course, I vetted you guys first. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, trust, so.
1: trust in Allah, but tie up your camel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it couched exactly that way. I usually hear the Reagan variant. Yeah. yeah. Trust but verify. Right,
1: right. But uh, Uh, no, man,
0: this was a real pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. What a gift. Yeah, man. Take it
2: easy. Tiffany here, saying thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An About tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a Van Build tab detailing how we did our van conversion. A journal tab and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a contact tab, where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. Take me, my